1: And it's the end of August. If you can believe it, holiday season is over in Europe. No more holidays for you guys. And summer is almost over in Europe and North America. And summer might actually be starting for some of our other listeners. So it's been a great summer here in Europe. And I want to thank everybody for sticking with us, uh, even on their holidays and listening. And we do have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from. And welcome back to our returning listeners. And if you're new to this show, let me tell you what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance, generational management, and business values that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please download this series on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. In this series, you can listen to great advice, leadership success stories that you can learn from, stories that can motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly even be the key to your success. Listen to us live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. specific time. And I invite you to connect with me. Me. Connect with me at leadership borders at gmail.com. Tell me what you want to hear about. So, if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful either for your business or yourself. And today's show is going a little bit fun for me because we're going to talk about an industry I usually don't talk about. Now, I love fashion. I love shopping. and But when it comes to the fashion industry, I'm really an outsider. And my impression would be that working in the world of fashion would be similar to a career focused on designer clothes, fabulous parties, coffee, keto diets, or low-calorie lunches. Now, you know every industry has its impressions or misconceptions so that was just my impression but actually when you really think about the fashion industry it's a really a defining Business, Because fashion has always been an important part of how people define themselves and others. It can be a powerful tool of influence. Studies have shown that first impressions are very often formed because of fashion, and we're more likely to trust and even obey orders from people dressed in fashions that dictate control, such as uniforms, or if some of you, if you remember what we used to call the power suit, I mean, it got its name for some reason, Right but fashion's influence can also be indirect and constitute a kind of auxiliary power. Think about the Mao suit or other famous individuals that have become associated with certain clothes, which they often consciously use to project an image of themselves, their country, or their beliefs. Moreover, when you look at fashion and its influence it has in us, there has to be one of the, it really has to be one of the most influential industries. And secure business practice Are So important in this kind of industry. And we are going to talk to a woman today who has worked her way up the ladder in the fashion industry and is an expert on how to be successful in business in the fashion industry. Maria Pesson is a senior apparel industry executive with a distinguished history of achievement and over 25 years of field experience. She has developed brands from the ground up and taken well-known names to new heights of excellence. Her proven leadership ability has led her to spearhead marketing operations and construct and implement business plans for New York apparel giants like Fleet Street, G. III apparel groups and multi other multi-millionaire brands. She has established herself as an expert in everything from merchandising and sales to product development and budgeting and is an expert when it comes to fashion. Maria is passionate about the apparel industry and dedicated to working with its up-and-coming enterprises and devoting her time to making them successful. She takes pleasure in developing close ties with people she works with and loves sharing her knowledge, and that's what she's going to do with us today. So, Maria, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Okay. So let's just, how did you get into this, okay, um, industry? I mean, as I said before, I'd kind of be scared, okay? I mean, how did you start out?
2: Well, um, that's kind of an interesting story because when I started out, um, I didn't know what business I wanted to go into. I just knew I wanted to go into business because I wanted to make a lot of money. And that's what I heard, that getting into business and running businesses is how you made money. My best friend wanted to go into the fashion industry, so I said, sounds good, I'll do that. <laughs> and that's how <laughs> I got into it. And the funny thing about it is I'm still in it, and she's been a nurse for the last 20 years. <laughs> so, right? So So it ended
1: up being a great career path for me. Yeah. So, I mean, but it must have been hard. I mean, you've been in, I think it says over 25 years, um, you know, breaking into this business and, and, and being a woman, breaking into the business. Um, did you have to face some challenges on
2: the way? Oh, lots of challenges. Um, I faced a couple of challenges specifically. You know, I grew up in a blue collar family in Brooklyn with absolutely no experience of people working in offices and especially women. We didn't have careers in those days. We were homemakers. So when I would say to my parents in the 60s that I was going to have a career and I was going to make a lot of money, they thought, how cute, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And listen, my father's one of 10 and my mother's one of four. And at the time I went to college, no one had gone to college in the family before. So that in and of itself was totally different. So I had no contacts. I knew no one. I didn't know how the business worked. I was totally green. You know, I joke sometimes that it took me three years to start at the bottom because I spent three years just taking whatever jobs I could to get an in in the industry and worked my way up till I became an assistant buyer and I finally really learned how it worked. So coming from Brooklyn without the knowledge and polish that – um people in the industry had and also being a woman where in those days, the one ads had men's listings and women's listings. So they didn't Mm -hmm. even expect a woman to, um, have a man's job. So that alone, of course, the sexual harassment was very, um, prevalent and we, you know, some of us, it didn't phase us because we just figured that's the way it is. You know, they're going to come on to us, and that's what it what it was like. Unfortunately for me, it got a little bit more intense than that, where my boss would, once broke into my hotel room, I'm laughing, oh my it's God. not funny, and waited for me to come back because he, he was into me. And by the way, while he was waiting, I was with his wife, who oh, I was wow. friends with. It was just a mess. So... Anyway, so there were lots of different challenges that I faced, but I persevered. And I think that's probably the thing that um, that I'm best at. You know, I was incredibly shy at the time. It was very hard for me to talk to people. So I had to force myself out of a comfort zone where I thought everybody knew what was up except for me. And I just kept putting one foot in front of the other to like learned and grew and, and took bigger and bigger jobs and just, you know, fought my way to the
1: top. Mm -hmm. And how, how did you overcome that? Because when I think about uh, the fashion industry, I think I, I I get intimidated a little bit. Okay. Um, I, I, and I don't really know why, and you said you started out as being quite shy and working your way up the ladder. So how did you overcome that shyness? How did you find your direction? I just forced
2: myself out of my comfort zone. You know, we we have that circle of um, trust, that circle where we're comfortable in that circle, and we could stay there or we could do something outside the circle and then expand the circle. So I always forced myself to do things that scared me, that were mm-hmm. hard. And by doing them and doing them over and over again, I wasn't scared anymore. So I went from being painfully shy to having the ability to speak in front of hundreds of people. So public speaking is actually fun for me
1: now, mm-hmm. but initially I would like want to slip my wrist if I had to go on stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, that's, that's a great lesson for all of us who are learning is, is we do sometimes get stuck in our comfort zones and we have to push our way out. Um, But then again, in the fashion industry, and a a question to you, I never think about, I mean, of course, I go shopping and I think about fashion, but I never think about it as an industry. Um, Why should we care about the fashion industry? I mean, does it drive us and and, uh, motivate us? Why should I even care what's happening in the fashion industry? Well, there's a, a couple
2: of things you could care about. You might be into fashion Itself, And so you Mm -hmm. care about it from an aesthetic point of view. For me, fashion is my art. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate it from the aesthetics of what fashion is. And I enjoy that. But the other reason is it's an industry that's very powerful in the world. I mean, let's face it. We're making money for a lot of people. And there's job creation, there's taxes that we pay to the governments. I mean, this is an industry that's fairly huge. Everybody has to wear clothes, everybody, you know, everybody has to wear shoes, everybody has to wear, you know, a coat when it's cold, you have to wear it. So how could you not care about an industry that drives so much of
1: the um, economy in the countries that it's in? Because it's really changed. I mean, if you think of it from the basic clothing path, you know, everybody has to wear shoes, everybody has to wear pants, you know, or or shirts or whatever. But you drive, um, you really help navigate people in certain directions in this industry. And and I've have you seen those directions changing over the years? For example,
2: absolutely. Mm -hmm.
1: And and you know, when I think about it today. Um, especially when you think about Silicon Valley and everybody's there in jeans, but then you think about, you know, other industries. Um, what what trend do you see today, or isn't there? Is there like more trends? Well, the trend in terms of how people are dressing in a
2: global way is it's getting more casual in every industry, from fashion to banking. You know, people have dressed down Fridays. And in some cases, they have dressed down five days a week. (laughs) So there's, you know, people come to work. Sometimes I'm appalled, actually, how they show up, you know, in like um, grungy, you know, sneakers and Mm. bike shorts. You know, it's just amazing how casual it is where when I first came into the business, any business, people were dressed up. I mean, they Mm -hmm. went to work in a certain way. You didn't wear jeans to work. It took me forever to allow my people to wear jeans to work. I was really resistant of it because I felt it was inappropriate. But then every other division was letting their team do it. So I said, ah, forget it. I'm fighting a losing battle. So clothes are definitely more casual. However a caveat to that is I think it's going the other way now. I think we're going to start seeing that people are tired of not dressing up and that they're going to include more dressed up clothing. If you see the collections out there, they're showing a lot more suits than they did before. But the suits are a little different. They're not just typical pantsuits or skirt suits. Sometimes it's shorts with a jacket or sometimes it's a two piece outfit with a top and a pair of pants. So the suits are a little Bit different than they were before.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I want to, I have another question I want to ask that. Well, we're going to take a short break first, okay? Um, and then when we we'll come back, I want to, I have a, one more question. On fashion direction, and then I want to talk about the business aspects, and I, because you know this does seem like a complicated business, and you're a business expert in fashion. So we'll we'll get into that when we come back after the break. And for our listeners, we are talking with Maria Pesson and she's a senior apparel in industry executive with a distinguished history of achievement and over 25 years of field experience. She has developed brands from the ground up and taken well-known names to new heights of excellence. And she's sharing with us today her insights about fashion brands and the fashion industry. If you'd like to connect with Maria, you can connect with her on LinkedIn under Maria Pessin, and that's P-E-S-I-N. And you can go to her website, which is vibeconsulting.co. And for this podcast, please go to vibeconsulting.co forward slash podcasts. You can also get her, Book and it's really great. I did read it. it, gives you some insights, not just to fashion, but also to business. So please go to the website. And I'm your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, CEO and Leadership and Business Expert. You can connect with me with questions and comments at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or join our LinkedIn group, Leadership Beyond Borders. Or go to my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. This show is also brought to you by Cinda, one of Europe's most extensive digital marketing and local search nonprofit associations. Cinda conducts market research and holds digital conferences two times a year in Europe and Middle East and Africa. And their next conference is in Lisbon, October 13th to 16th. For more information about that, please go to www.cinda.com. And with that, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back.
3: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author, working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies, each week on CTN, CIO Talk Network. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders, and today we're speaking with Maria Pesson, a senior apparel industry executive with a distinguished history of achievement and over 25 years of field experience. She has developed brands from the ground up and taken well-known names to new heights of excellence, and she's sharing with us today her insights about Her success story, um, being a woman, working your way up the ladder, and also on the fashion industry. Now, before the break, we kind of talked about some generalities about the fashion industry and and your career, Maria. Um, We talked about the current trends of being a little bit more casual, possibly Um, going backwards. I I have a question to ask you on that uh, casualness. Quick story in digital quite a few years ago. I mean, this was 15 years ago when I started in digital, you know, and everybody started working jeans and sneakers. I felt as the only female on the board, if I did that, it would have been wrong, but it was okay for the guys to do that. Do you think there's any difference in tolerance levels on, on, undress in, you know, whether it's more casual or more conservative um, tolerance levels that are gender oriented or not. To
2: tell you the truth, I haven't found that myself. I feel as though everybody um, is dressing more casual. You know, part of the reason that's happening is this whole athleisure Mm. kind of styling, which is basically um, sports clothes that people could wear in the gym and outside the gym. And um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, probably are, a company called Lululemon. Have you heard of them?
1: No, actually, I have not. I'll be completely okay. honest. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so- no worries. So
2: Lululemon, um, many years ago, I'm not sure the exact year, but I'm going to guess eight years ago. I'm not positive. Anyway, Lululemon started their business as an athleisure brand Before it was a thing, they kind Mm -hmm. of made this industry up and they did luxury kind of athleisure clothing so you could take your leggings and you could wear it at the gym and then you could run to the store afterwards and, you know, even show up for work wearing some of these clothes. So the advent of athleisure is what really heralded in the whole casual look into the office. Jeans wear as well. So I think that what's happened is I see more differences in the industries that people are in rather than in the gender okay. that people are in. So, you know, if you're in um, investments, maybe you dress more in suits, but if you're in a more creative industry, the athleisure is perfect. So I do see that it's more of an industry-centric way of working, um, wearing clothes than it is a
1: sex, sex, um, gender. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I was just going to question. So let's just talk about you. I mean, you've been so successful. Okay. And we just heard your story of climbing the. Uh, um, how? How did? Is there any like tricks? That, how did you become so successful? Well, one of the things that
2: I always did was try to learn. I always believed that I needed to grow through learning. So I took jobs where there was a learning component, where I would grow as an individual. I wasn't so concerned with the money. I figured the money would come. But what I needed to do was develop myself as an individual. So the job that I took had to stretch me. It had to pull me. And let me tell you, there were times at work where I wouldn't, couldn't sleep the night before because of all the pressure, because I was doing something that really pushed me. But learning has been a big part of my success. I also read a ton of books, articles, all different things to do with business and personal growth and even science and, you know, history, anything that helps me grow, um, my knowledge base and my, um, just Mm -hmm. my home way of thinking, you know, the more you learn, the more you're able to do critical thinking and Mm -hmm. it also gives you ideas and stuff. So I find that, Learning has been a big part of my success.
1: Mm-hmm. And that goes right along with pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, as you talked about earlier, which is, you know, that's I admire that very, very much. And as an entrepreneur, because you are a real entrepreneur, I mean, there, there are some things, there are mistakes that entrepreneurs make when starting a business. Um Was there any uh, biggest challenge that you saw as an entrepreneur or said, gosh, if I should have done that a different way um, or that maybe our listeners could learn from.
2: It's interesting because when I became a consultant, I knew nothing about consulting. (laughs) I knew about the fashion business really well, but I knew nothing about consulting. So I think what I did was rather smart. If I say so myself, I'm patting myself on the back. I hired a consulting expert, somebody who works with consultants to help them build their businesses and teach them the process. And I worked with a couple of consultants and I think that made a very big difference in shortening my learning curve because I didn't have to learn it from trial and error. I learned it from somebody who already knew stuff that, um, I learned from their trial and error, so to speak. So that made a big
1: difference in when I started is understanding all of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when when building these businesses and when you're helping people business, helping others build businesses in the fashion industry, I mean, I think product is so important or service is important. Um, How do you know when you get that product or that service right? Okay. Well, people vote with their pocketbooks, so if
2: people are buying your product you 're a success, and that 's really the bottom line um, that 's why I like to do some kind of proof of concept before I go into the market to see you know what the what the activity is to see if people like what i 'm doing there 's focus groups also there 's a lot of research you can do into the market to see what is selling and why is it working. So um, the important thing is to get an idea of what's selling. I'm going to tell you a story. Um, When I first launched Jessica Simpson Coats, this was when it was a new brand and she was just starting out. I was the first license to sign on. And they had told me, that the product was going to be more high end, not luxury per se, but more high end. So we did a soft launch and we tested, um, we did this line and we tested it in Nordstrom's, Dillard's and Macy's. And mm-hmm. we put it in for the holiday season and the line sold well, not very well though. It's so I shouldn't say well, okay. It's all just okay. And I knew that, It wasn't good enough to really build on. So I studied the line and I studied the market that it was in and the surrounding lines. And I realized our prices were probably twice as high as they should be, that we were in the wrong market. So I talked to the people at Jessica Simpson, um, Tina Simpson, who ran the fashion business is Jessica's mother. I talked to the people at the commuter group who owned the business. I spoke to my owner of the company, my designer, and I said, we need to reduce our prices to, right now we're at 298 retail, we need to be under 150 So everybody fought me. They all mm-hmm. said, you know, they didn't want to do that. I said, you got to do it. Trust me, we're in the wrong market. And then we changed the fabrications and we lowered the prices and the line took off. So getting it into the stores, getting some kind of traction, learning from the traction you're getting is how you build a business. Nobody goes out there as a slam dunk. I mean, you hear about people saying, um, oh, she's an overnight success. And, you know, the people who are an overnight success say, yeah, it only took me 10 years to become an <laughs> overnight success.
1: Uh, it's the other nine of, what the rest of us don't see, right?
2: Right. So product research and product um, proof of concept will be a big help in
1: knowing if you're on the right track. Mm. Okay, and what about branding? Okay, because how, how, so now you've got the product, you have it out there. Um, How, how, what do you tell new businesses about branding and how important is branding for you? Well, these days, branding is
2: everything. People Mm -hmm. buy brands. You know, in the olden days, as I joke, um, we didn't care about that so much. We saw the product we liked and we bought it. But now, branding is is So key people buy brands that they relate to, that they have an emotional connection to. I one time was in a supermarket shopping, um, for groceries and, um, in the dairy department. And these two little kids, they're probably like five and seven. They see this yogurt called, um, something in Cody. I can't even remember the name of it. It was these, This TV show, these little boys were on, and they had their own yogurt. Why they had their own yogurt? Like, why yogurt? And these kids are saying, Oh, it's Zach and Cody. And these kids are saying, Mom, we have to get this. It's Zach and Cody yogurt. She says, You don't even know if you like yogurt, but it's Zach and Cody. It must be good. (laughs) And I think that that says it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that says it all. Mm-hmm. And that I kind of yeah, that's that's absolutely true because brands have become so important even for little kids. And and coming back to brands, is it important to to have? your brand connected to something like Zach and Cody. I mean, when you think of n- n- Nespresso, you think of Clooney, okay? I mean, um, influencers are so important today. Do you, do you think that they're, they're quite important just generally, even for me, if I'm starting out a small business, to get an influencer to help get that communication across?
2: Influencers are great, and we always seek to find influencers um for our brands because it does help get the message out. You know, they have an audience already. So you wanna tap into their audience. So it's great to have influencers. Unfortunately, not every um new brand has the money or the wherewithal to get big names. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, it's just hard for them. So there's something called micro-influencers that you could look at that have smaller audiences, but very engaged audience who don't ask for $50,000 to post about your brand. You know, mm-hmm. maybe they just ask for some clothing um, or whatever product you're making, some product and... You can supply that for them to post about you, and that will get you um, some traction. And several of those could start to build on itself. You know, when you first brand, when you first start any business, trying to get your name out there, I liken it to riding a bike up a hill. The first few (laughs) revolutions are like killer. Like it's so hard. But then you start to get a momentum. And before you know it, you're breezing up the hill and you're on the other side of the hill, and you have the traction. You just have to stay on top of the hill. You can't allow yourself to lose the traction by going downhill. But it's hard in the beginning, but if you persevere and you're consistent, you will start to get some traction. You'll start to build your list. You'll start to build um, relationships out there. People will know about you, and they'll want to do business with you. Another thing that's very popular in branding is to do something for the world in what you do. For example, Toms, who makes mm-hmm. shoes, when they first started out, they, in fact, they still do this. I shouldn't say when they first started out. They give away a pair of shoes to someone who has no shoes for every shoe they sell. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Yeah. That's a lot. of, That's very newsworthy. People write about that. They're interested in that.
1: And that's kind of along the line of also some of the fair trademarks. That, that I mean, uh, that's kind of a, a sub branding. Would you say maybe you know? Because I know if I buy a tea that's in fair trade, then um, I, I'm helping do something good to the world. So can you kind of hook on that? So there's you know, doing good. Doing something good for the world uh, can be part of your brand then? Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. people like to work with, excuse me, I'll get the word
2: out, (laughs) ethically (laughs) made product. They want to work with people who don't use prison labor or child labor. They want to work with good companies. And that's a big part of branding as well. Sustainability is really important now and people really respond to companies
1: that have sustainable practices Mm -hmm. great okay we're going to take a quick break um maria when we come back i i want to stay on the business aspect a little bit and and we've talked about influencers and branding but i want to kind of talk about general marketing and fashion and then you know some of maybe the unattractive parts because fashion for me seems like legit has logistics and other stuff that isn't the fun stuff. Okay, um, and how you can be successful with those. So for our listeners, we are talking with Maria Pessen. She's a senior apparel industry executive with a distinguished history of achievement and over 25 years of field experience. She has developed brands from the ground up and taken well-known names to new heights of excellence. And she is sharing her insights with us about business and business in the fashion industry. If you'd like to connect with her, she's on LinkedIn under Maria Pessin, and that's P-E-S-I-N. You can also go to her website, which is vibe, VibeConsulting.co, and for this podcast, VibeConsulting.co forward slash podcast. She also has a book that she wrote about business in the fashion industry, which has a lot of insights that can be applied to many industries. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, CEO and leadership and business expert. You can contact me with questions and comments at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back.
3: From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
0: You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to
1: Leadership Beyond
0: Borders on
1: Voice America's business channel. And today we're speaking with Maria Pesson, and she's a senior apparel industry executive with a distinguished history of over 25 years of field experience in the fashion industry. And she's sharing with us today her insights into this industry, but also her insights into how to be a successful business regardless of what industry you're in. So Maria, before the, before the break, we were talking about influencers and branding and how important they are. Um, And I want to just stay on the marketing aspect and the communication aspect for a minute, because, because marketing and communication has changed so much in the last, you know, 10, 15 years with social media. Uh, How important is, is, uh, a really strong social media presence to being successful.
2: Extremely. It really is important. You have to um, do social media. People get a lot of their information through social media. They find brands that they want to buy through social media. You know, they're on Instagram, they're on Facebook, they're on Twitter. Whatever they're on, you need to be on in order to get engagement with your product for people to want to buy it. And, you know, doing social media isn't a one and done thing. It's a consistent effort over time that's often and has a certain particular look and feeling that tells the story of your brand. So I don't think there's an industry that you could be in that doesn't have a social, um, media presence because it's important i mean you see some of the weirdest things that people have advertising on um i can't think of anything particular off the top of my head but you know maybe it could be pool equipment and people go on social media to find out about pool equipment so it's not just a fashion thing it's any industry
1: Mm-hmm. I do think there's one channel that maybe it, for the fashion industry is more powerful than another. Um, Instagram. Instagram. Okay. I think Instagram is really important, and secondly, Facebook. But
2: Instagram is a visual platform, and it works really well for fashion.
1: Mm-hmm. What do you think? Do you think video will ever play a role in fashion, or do it you already think does? It does, and, and yes, absolutely. If you look at Stories and videos,
2: even short um, videos that are like one minute, two minutes,
1: thirty seconds, they get more engagement than still photos mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so if you were talking you know if you're doing your consulting and and I was starting out um, what would you tell me about marketing would you, you would you say you have to be every place or you focus on one channel or you make sure well, you have I the influencer when you, yeah when you ahead. first
2: start out you Pick a couple of things and you do them well.
1: Mm-hmm. You,
2: you know, you, when you're first starting out, you have limitations. You have time limitations. You have money limitations. And so there's just so much you can get accomplished when you first start out. So pick your spots because the most important thing is frequency, consistency, and point of view. And you can't always do
1: that across all the channels. You may not have the time to do that. Mm-hmm. And and how do I make my? I mean, how do I make myself stand out and different? Because this is a very competitive industry, isn't it? Oh my or, God, it is. <laughs> so <laughs> what, what? I know. I can just imagine it. I mean, um, you, know, you know, how? What makes that successful brand? That successful company win over in this competitive? I mean, uh, is there anything, you know, that you can say? Um, um, that is specific, that says, you know, this, if you do this, then you can have a competitive advantage, or is it just kind of hit and Well, miss? you
2: have to figure out what your competitive advantage is. One of the things I do with my clients when I first start with them is I tell them that they need to have a USP, which is unique selling proposition. What makes you stand out from the competition that you're in what do you bring to the table that's special and unique maybe it's the product itself maybe it's the quality and the pricing maybe it's the way you sell it the product like for example stitch fix for those of you who are not familiar with that it's a membership site and people who belong get a box each month of curated clothing that they can either accept or return and it's constant every month so that if you don't feel like you could put an outfit together, they put the outfits together for you based on the information you give them. That's a very unique way of distributing product. And it's also a successful way because Stitch Fix is doing extremely well with this platform. So that could be uni- your unique selling proposition. It could be the way you engage with the world. Like a spoke about earlier with toms toms has a um the ability to give a pair of shoes away that's a very compelling thing when they first came out my daughter like was crazy for this company she had to get a pair of toms she was a teenager at the time and i said but they're ugly and she said, No, yes. they're not. She said, But you give a pair of shoes away. I have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Toms, but you're just not my kind of shoe. Anyway. Um but sometimes the things that are not necessarily feminine shoes could sell Just because they're not necessarily feminine shoes. So, you know, for me, pumps are the kind of thing that I would wear. Anyway, the point is you have to figure out what it is that you bring to the table that sets you apart and is interesting enough that people want to buy into it. Mm -hmm. And that's That's how you find out your platform. And again, I speak about research, 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 go to the stores, go online, look at the runways, look at magazines, look at um, show there's these um, trend companies, look at trend companies and see what they're doing. There's a lot of information out there that you have to curate to find out what you bring to the table that people will want to have that's different from what everyone else
1: is doing. Good. And, um, you know, that's a that's good advice. And, and just a quick thing. Uh, there's, there's also like kind of the unglamorous side of this, too, with logistics. You were talking about distribution channels, logistics channels. Um, that is all part of the complete business plan you have to look at when you're putting this together, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, you could lose
2: a lot of money in the details if mm-hmm. you don't, for example... Um, When you ship to a store, let's say you're shipping to Macy's, any kind of major department store, they have routing guides that the size of a Bible. They're so big. (laughs) And if you don't follow them and you don't do it the way they said, they can charge you back for like a fine that'll cost you money for everything that you did wrong. Or let's say, I'll just give one example there are, when you ship to a major department store, they have certain rules of how you need to ship. You have to use their trucker usually, and you have to deliver between such and such time um, on certain days. And then the trucker only makes the appointment 48 hours in advance. So you really have to like be on your game and follow the instructions really carefully because you basically have just a few days to get it right and get it shipped mm-hmm. right. If you don't, then you miss the delivery date, and they may not accept the goods, or they may Ah. ask for a discount. So you Mm -hmm. can't – you really have to have your logistics right in order to be profitable because you could have great product, and it could sell well, but the devil's in the Mm -hmm. details.
1: Yeah, good. (laughs) well we're getting we're starting to get towards the end of the show, but I want to kind of flip the question for a minute because it's not that often I get a fashion expert on the show, and um we have a lot of business people out there um uh, listening to us how how important is fashion in building your own personal- brand as a business person
2: okay. Oh, I think it's important because you know. We get impressions about people from visual cues. So if somebody comes to my office to do business with me, for argument's sake, and their hair is dirty or their clothes are, you know, poor quality and they don't fit right and you just look slovenly,
1: Mm -hmm. who's going to
2: do business with you? Mm -hmm. And if um, you're in the fashion business like me, People have expectations that you're going to look fashionable, so they want to see fashion on you. Or if you're in banking, they want to see that you're kind of buttoned up and pulled together and your hair is done right. And, you know, if you're a woman, your makeup is done um, appropriately. So clothing speaks to people about who you are. And fashion um, is the message you give out without saying a
1: word. Mm -hmm. So for those listeners that, uh, just to stay in this personal before I go back to the business, you know, in developing my personal brand, um, is there any tip you would give to, you know, uh, how do you discover that? Do you just discover what you like or is it the industry? Any tip you could give to to trying to take advantage of the fashion to develop your personal brand? Well,
2: again, you could... um Do it through research, going to different stores, trying on a lot of things, seeing what looks right on you, what feels right for you. Also, there are personal shoppers out there that will take you to different vendors that will help you shop, that have style and understanding of how someone needs to dress. And a lot of stores actually have personal shoppers within the stores that they don't charge you for, it's just the cost of the clothing and mm-hmm. so you can go and work with their personal shoppers so if you don't feel like you have the i the feeling of how you should dress if you don't feel that you're inclined in that direction then you can get people like personal shoppers to help you also i talked about stitch fix you know they'll mm-hmm. curate clothing for you so there's a lot of different ways to go mm-hmm. if you don't feel that you have the, the all
1: yeah yeah to do yeah, it. the inclination okay, so we're getting towards the end, so on the business side again, this has been really great, Maria. thank you so much for being with us but i'd like to I'd like to end with the business tips um, There are two tips is there anything one or two tips that you could say or two lessons we can learn from your industry that could be maybe applied to to us as business people or other businesses or specific to your industry okay, so these are my two tips. One
2: is focus. A lot of times people go into business and they want to do everything. They want to be everything for everybody because they don't want to miss out. However, that's actually the wrong strategy. What you should be doing is focus on a category, a specific product that's right for your brand. And I'll use fashion as an example. I'm A designer might come to me and say, oh, I want to put together a collection of shoes, handbags, and coats. And I say, well, that's too many things to Mm do when you first start. Pick one because each item has different buyers, has different production needs, has all different unique aspects to it that it's going to be hard to get that all off the ground. Again, we talk about time and money, resources that are limited. So I always say focus on a particular product. You can always add later on, but you Mm -hmm. can't come out of the gate because then you won't do enough of anything to make an impact.
1: Yeah. Okay. Good. Yes, makes a lot of sense. And Your
2: second tip? My second tip is do the foundation work before you start making product one. You know, people come to me and they have a line designed long before they researched their customer, before they researched the industry, before they really understand where they stand in the market, what their messaging is, what pricing they need to be at how are they going to get to the pricing they need to be at how are they going to do their production how are they going to sell the product do they need to have more margin in it so that they can sell wholesale and retail that's why i like business plans because it forces you to really think about what you need to know in order to start the business it
1: asks you the right questions Super. So, foundation and focus. And with that, we're getting towards the end of the show. And for our listeners, we have been speaking with Maria Pesson, a senior apparel industry ex- executive with a distinguished history of achievement with over 25 years of field experience. And she's been talking to us about business and being successful in business within the fashion industry, but also with tips in, that can be used in any industry. And if you'd like to reach out with Maria, you can reach out to her. Her on LinkedIn under Maria Pessin that's P-E-S-I-N or under her website vibeconsulting.co and for this podcast please go to vibeconsulting.co forward slash podcast and once again Maria thank you so much for taking the time to be with us I enjoyed this very very much me too. Um, and uh, I'm going to go out and find myself a personal shopper. So, okay. Let <laughs> okay. me how it works out for you. Okay. Uh, and listeners, thank you for listening. You've been listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. It's a program sponsored by Global Business Therapy SRO. Also, Cinda, the Search and Information Industry Association, Cinda holds conferences each year, and the next conference will be held in Lisbon on October 13th to 16th. And you can sign up by going Going to www.cinda.com/events at Leadership Beyond Borders, we provide leadership training with a focus on digital transition and digital agencies, and we have the Women's Leadership Academy 2020, which specializes in diversity and C-level development for women. If you'd like to contact me, your host, Kimberly Lewis, please send me an email at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. And don't forget to tune in to us every Tuesday at 3 p.m. specific time and download this series on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And with that, thank you again for listening, and I look forward to having you tune in again next week.